Just another quiet week in the Pac-12. Nothing went wrong. No chaos ensued about the conference championship game scenarios that actually played out even worse than the scenarios. Ah, great leadership. Colorado got hosed again. And now their equipment truck is stuck in between L.A. and Colorado waiting to see if they even need to go there. Cal got knocked out of their game last week over a false positive test. The reviews, your reviews. And we're going to recap last week's games, give our predictions for this games, where, of course, I'll destroy Ralph again. And the Pac-12 you're going to get to pick your own bowl game and your own bowl game opponent. The Pac-12 trophy will be given out. Protocols must be followed, though. And next episode, we're going to give our National Signing Day review and talk about that. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amston, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. Thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles podcast. We appreciate your time, appreciate your energy, and of course, share the podcast because this is the podcast by Pac-12 fans, for Pac-12 fans, people who want the truth. They want don't want it sugarcoated. They want to be entertained and they want to hear the truth. Um, please make sure that you leave a five-star pot rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Ralph will tell you four stars, then we'll grow into whatever it is. And when you become part of the family, no, this is a five-star production. Ralph, stop asking for four stars, please. We're, we're better than that. And you guys, please make sure you share the podcast more than anything with somebody else who will enjoy it. And you can get a hold of us on Twitter, him at Ralph Amsden, me at George Reister, the podcast at Pac-12 Apostles, where you could get responded to by either one of us. And you should guess that. Uh, guess who actually responded to it? Maybe we should start a segment called Who Sent That Tweet? But um, yeah, so please share or you can shoot us an email. I'm mad. I am M-A-D at unafraidshow.com. Okay, so Ralph, last, actually, what was your assessment of this last week in the Pac-12? I I ended up very confused by Sunday night because I was out at a couple of high school championships on Saturday, and my routine is usually to come home, uh, I usually get home around midnight, sit down, and I watch the key plays um, from the games that are recorded on YouTube TV. Then I get up on Sunday morning and I actually like speed through the games and and, and watch them uh, if I can't watch them live. And so I got home and I'm trying to go through the key plays of the <laughs> of the Cal game and couldn't find it. I didn't even know. I mean, I knew that Washington, Oregon – was going to get canceled going into the day, but I didn't know that Cal wasn't going to end up playing Washington state. And so that was kind of confusing. And then, uh, and then obviously, you know, I, I did catch the first half of Arizona state, Arizona, which I think uh, my guy down here in Arizona, Joey Artigue, he totaled up all of the biggest margin of victories for rivalry games in the history of the PAC 12. And this is the biggest one ever. Um, 
So there was definitely a lot of talk at the championship games that I was at Friday night and all day Saturday about what happened between the two Arizona schools. Found that to be very interesting. Um, The little bit of football that I did get to watch on Saturday, it looked like Colorado was holding their own against Utah. Next time I check in on the score, they got, they'd gotten blown out. So, uh, and then, um, you know, a lot of Keaton Slovis fans down here in Arizona. So it was getting updates on, uh, on the, the USC UCLA comeback as it was happening. Um, and, uh, ended up going back and rewatching that game. And, 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 uh, it was a good game. It wasn't my favorite game of the weekend. That, uh, distinction belongs to Stanford and Oregon state, which was just almost like the perfect football game, uh, up until the, uh, the, the heartbreaking end, um, for Oregon state. But I mean, the games that did get played were very interested, uh, very interesting. And I'm glad that we get to talk about them. I'm just, I'm kind of feeling bad for Washington state and Cal right now. And for the entire PAC 12 North in that they don't have a real champion. Yeah. And the first thing, one of the first things that you mentioned that was hilarious to me was how this how the games even like played out so we knew washington oregon was going to be canceled but then we find that i am watching games i have i have two tvs stacked on top of each other on the wall and then i have my computer hat hooked up to my like big monitor and then i swung that around so i figured that out i was like hold up i got three screens i got two 50 i got a 50 well a 58 and a and a 60 incher and then this uh 42 inch for the monitor so i'm like yo i'm sitting pretty over here i turned on the cow game on the monitor and and i was sitting there waiting on it to come on i put it on fox and and then it was i thought it was like commercials and i'm like yo this is a lot of commercials and i was like oh they must have had a weather delay or something like that and then eventually nothing happens like they don't go back to the studio show or anything so then i flip back so i'm like okay something's up so i go on to an app to see what the what's going on with the game game canceled i'm like where the hell did this come from where the hell did this cancellation come from turns out cal had a false positive test that one test that contact traced them out of a game that they could have otherwise played because it was a false positive. I, dude, Cal has buzzards luck, dude. If, if the, the best thing that's happened to them this season is beating Oregon. Because I don't know how that happened, but the fact that it did happen and the way that the rest of their season has gone has been an absolute disaster. It, it, it's been a mess. Um, the Oh, well, the, the rest of the weekend, though, we found out that – well, actually – the Pac-12 championship, we talked about the scenarios about what could happen. And Ralph was like, at the end, I said, do you understand, Ralph? He was like, nah, I don't get it, <laughs> whatever. And so what ended up happening is the Washington-Oregon game gets canceled, sends everything into a tailspin. And then the conference puts out a schedule on Sunday. And Ralph, can you explain to me why? Knowing Washington's situation, Washington has no linemen. They know that they have no linemen. They're pretty sure they can't play. And the conference knows that. So why on earth would you put out a schedule on Sunday knowing that that game can't be played? I mean, that Washington probably won't be able to play. But you put out a full schedule on Sunday. 
I don't know. I I'm I'm trying to figure out what exactly, if anything, Washington would have told the Pac-12 about the possibility that they they might be able to play. I, I'm I'm wondering if some people ha- were waiting on test results or what. But it, it it from the sound of it and from what you're telling me, it was pr- probably never feasible that this game would ever get played in the first place. So the schedule was set up as such that Oregon could just be there as a replacement. Yeah. So they had Cal, I'm sorry, they had Colorado playing Oregon in LA in case Washington couldn't play. But then you're like, teams still have to game plan and all of this. But then how can Washington even travel down to LA? Like it it was nonsensical. And instead of giving Washington a drop dead date, they didn't do that initially. And thank God Washington is led by competent people. Jill Cohen, Jimmy Lake. They were like on on Monday morning, they said, we can't play. We can't play because Monday is actually Tuesday in game planning because the game's on Friday and Colorado and Oregon were scheduled to play on Saturday in LA. Absolutely hate that by the way, in in a year in which it is, critically important all the time that you know that you could need to possibly um heal up or test negative or get outside of covid protocols that they would be this stringent on making sure that the pac-12 championship is played on the worst of all days to play football on friday is something that only our conference could try to pull off I, I still can't understand why would you put your conference game on friday when everybody else's conference games are on saturday and you're like, oh well, good. Well, that's that. That's why everybody else is playing on Saturday because that's the day college football is supposed to be played. So Washington gets thrown out of the game because they can't play. People were saying, okay, well, just have Colorado play against USC. Well, that's not the way the tiebreakers have worked. So then they throw Oregon in the game, and that leaves Colorado without a game. So Colorado has nobody to play. Nobody to play. So it it's a disaster, dude. So and and what that turns into is Colorado's now the backup plan in case USC or Oregon can't play. So then they sent they have to pack up their equipment truck, keep practicing for a game that they're probably not going to play this weekend because Oregon has played almost short last weekend. I'm well the, the, their last game against Cal down a bunch of scholarship players. They were down in the fifties. You have USC, who just battled COVID, so the likelihood of them going back out is probably low this quickly. So Cal packs up, I'm sorry, Colorado packs up their equipment truck and has it drive halfway in between Oregon, I'm sorry, in between Colorado and LA. So it's somewhere like in St. George, Utah, which is about five hours away from LA. I know because I went there. Beautiful town, home home of Panay Sewell. Yeah, I I went there in May. I loved it. And and my kids are like, yo, we we need to go back there. I like Utah. We went to Zion, all that stuff. So Colorado's equipment truck is stuck there waiting to see what's going to happen. And this is an absolute cluster, Ralph, a cluster. Yeah, I I mean, (laughs) so what is the plan is if Oregon backs out that Colorado would play USC? Yes. According to John Wilner, yes. 
Huh. Well, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if that would, that that's probably, if it ends up being two Pac-12 South teams for the Pac-12 South, or for the Pac-12 championship, I can't imagine that that's going to provide the ratings bonanza um, that uh, Larry Scott was hoping for in scheduling this game on a Friday opposite ABC's Olaf's frozen adventure and Shrek the halls. And <laughs> don't forget that the mask singer has a two hour special on Fox on Friday. Uh, on Friday. On the, on the oh, eight- <laughs> dude, I watched that. The, the, uh, my, 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 my daughter and son, they'll be trying to fight me over the TV. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, they, the Pac-12 might lose out to the CW, which is airing Christmas Carol Caroler Challenge. So, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a rough go for this game, having the the Pac-12 North's representative be a Pac-12 South team. That uh, I get. I mean, I, I'm gonna be interested in this for sure, especially if it ends up being Colorado USC because this is a game that we wanted all along and that we said that, that USC would potentially be in danger of, of, uh, of not being able to uh, get the job done because of the way that Colorado runs the ball. Um, but Colorado kind of choked things away against, against Utah. That makes it a little bit less interesting. However, um, what, what do you think the odds are that Oregon actually plays in this game? A hundred. <laughs> I mean, what do you? Why? Why wouldn't they play in the game? Yeah. So then we're, we're talking about Colorado for no reason, basically. Yeah, because yeah, or Oregon's playing in this game, no matter what. Basically, they they would have to be in a in a. I mean, they 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 played Colorado either at or under the the scholarship minimum, so. <laughs> So I mean, they they would have to be well beyond that to not play the the game. But Mario Cristobal has already updated people's availability in terms of they haven't said what they were coming back from, but they're gonna have they're gonna be close to full strength. So I mean, provided there's no weird outbreak or something this upcoming week, because they they are the only team that hasn't. Well, them in Colorado are the only two teams that haven't had to cancel games because of their own situation. Oh, well, well, sorry. in Oregon state too. So, yeah. Um, there will be a championship trophy handed out though, Ralph. So if Oregon wins, they wouldn't have won the, the North, but they didn't get a chance to play Washington for sure for the North either, because the winner would have gone to the PAC 12 championship. But if they win, they get the PAC 12 championship trophy, which is, kind of like not winning the conference in basketball, but then winning the tournament trophy. It's, it's two separate things. So, but the trophy is going to be given out with protocols. So if you're Oregon and you win this, are you winning this with pride? Are you displaying the trophy with pride? I mean, I guess. So here's the thing. We have like this whole rebellion against participation trophy culture. Yet in 2020, that's the thing that you celebrate more than anything is that if you even get the ability to participate. So all these people that made fun of the participation trophies, like this is the year where you would actually take pride in one that you that you 
were able to finish the race kind of. And so I'd be, I'd be proud of it. I think it would just, it would stand as a reminder of an incredibly unique season. One that is hopefully not ever repeated again. Yes, we can, we can hope and we can pray that that never happens again. Um, Ralph, uh, oh, on to our, oh, no, 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 no. Here's another interesting thing that you pointed out to me that when it comes to the bowl games, because we, we see every day, well, every couple of days, new bowl games get, get axed. They're even considering moving the Rose Bowl. Well, not playing the Rose Bowl because it has to be in Pasadena because the, the tie in with the Rose Parade to actually be called the Rose Bowl. But anyways, they were considering moving it because players' families from the ACC and SEC may not be able to go to the games because of California protocols. But the conference will be able to decline bowl bids, but then schedule, but then schedule any opponent. Is that it? I think, yeah. So I think you have the ability to decline a bowl bid. And I think that because of the lack of bowls, the NCAA, from what I'm hearing, is uh, is stepping in and saying that you can schedule your own postseason game after December 19th. So, and you could have gone 0-5. And you can still schedule one game after December 19th. So it, it'll be really interesting to see if we have some inter conference uh, matchups get set that are completely outside of uh, the bowl structure or some intra conference matchups that maybe didn't get played during the season or that wouldn't have based on regular scheduling, you know, between maybe an sec uh, East and West team or something like that. So that I'm really looking forward to seeing which teams. some of these teams are just going to straight up decline the opportunity to play like university of Arizona. We'll get into why, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think that um, I think that that is a great move by the NCAA. Yeah. Oh, I definitely think that's great as well. Um, it is time for our reviews though, Ralph, what's up with our reviews? I didn't see any yesterday. Do you have any that, that, uh, that magically appeared in the last 24 hours? Um, no, I have not seen any reviews. So good job. Rem people. Remind the people on how they can, how they yes. can, uh, leave us a review and interact with us. Yes. This is one of the most fun segments of the show where we read your reviews whether they are positive, negative, all of that. And we hope for five stars. Ralph tries to give us, tries to encourage people to give us four stars. And when we don't deserve four stars, I think that we are a five-star podcast. And he tells people, just, just, just give us what you, what you think that we deserve. I don't believe in that. I Did you ever read that? Did you ever read that study though? Where like that, the New York city hot dog cart says, just pay, pay what you think we, we deserve, and they end up making more money. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I, I think I saw something about this. I wouldn't have made this up. That that uh, obviously you can't give somebody six stars. Otherwise, you know, the, I think that that would work to our benefit. So it's not really an equal case study. But yeah, I, I think that the, uh, it was either a hot dog cart or some type of street vendor 
they did away with their traditional pricing for their food and just said, pay what you can or what you think we deserve. So they did away with the traditional price structure altogether. And I think if so, hopefully somebody can check us on this, but I think they actually came out ahead of, of what their typical sales would be minus the, the, the cost of the food and everything like that. So that maybe, maybe that's my philosophy that I, I feel like if, if I enable people to, to, to participate and do what they think is right, then maybe they won't be able to give more than the five stars allowable, but maybe it frees them up to participate a little bit more through the comments, which enhances this portion of our show. All right. All right. I, I can do that. That almost makes me want to set up a, a hot dog cart or, or some other low, low cost food situation and say, listen, just, just give me what, what I deserve for this burger. Give me what I deserve for this hot dog. Listen, I'm not mad at it, man. You end up coming out in the red after one day, I'm going to get my ass kicked though. So just (laughs) make sure you read whatever it is I'm talking about. Cause I, I, I definitely don't have it pulled up in front of me, but I remember reading about it once. Um, all right. So Ralph, on to last week, the recaps from last week. What was our, what was the damage from last week? Because I talked about how bad I was going to beat you. Wait, no, 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 no. That that was on one particular game. Which which game was that? Which I said I was going that you made the most horrendous pick ever. I don't, I don't know because we we agreed on. I I think my. What I had go wrong for me is the stuff that I agreed with you on because you had a really bad week again. <laughs> so <laughs> I did, did Ralph, I demand a recount. You guys, if you guys think that Ralph's fudging the numbers around here, send you can't a, me these nuts because it, it is starting to look like I'm cooking the books. That's how bad this is getting. You went one and three on the over unders. You went two and two straight up and oh three and one against the spread. <laughs> Jeez, dude! Yeah, how does that happen? You almost I have don't to know. try to be that bad. I don't know, but you are currently four and nine on over unders, which you personally introduced as a way to get back at me because you know how bad I am at them, and I'm ten and three. So things keep moving in the opposite direction. We have the exact opposite records uh, against the spread. I'm sixteen nine and one. You're nine sixteen and one. And then straight up, you're still within striking distance. It's 16 and 10 versus 18 and 8. I have a, a two-game advantage. <sighs> this is not how this was supposed to go, Ralph. This is not how this was supposed to go. Um, all right. So we'll, we'll start with the game that, that happened on Friday. It wasn't an actual football game. <laughs> I called you during the game because I didn't see the beginning of the Arizona State-Arizona game. I peeked in about the middle of the second quarter was when I was, so I was going to start back at the beginning, but I was going to pop in live and then rewatch the end. We rewatched the beginning later. And mind you, I didn't finish this game at all, but I, when I popped in, neither did Kevin someone (laughs) Dude, When I popped in, it was 35 to nothing. I was like, what? I I walked in as quarter. Yes, as they were as they were running in the touchdown for 35. I was like, "What? 
I I expected them to lose, but this was just non-competitive. Non-competitive. Like you are the Arizona expert. What I mean, and you said it was going to be bad at 42 to 14. <laughs> yeah, that that but like look how wrong even that was. I don't bro, 70 points. Like, all right, look, I'm a I'm a person who just in general off the rip, I support black coaches because they don't necessarily always get the opportunities, even though Kevin Sumlin is a guy who is a retread. But in general, they don't always get the opportunity. So I do want to see them succeed. But when they get fired, what am I supposed to say about Kevin Sumlin getting fired? Going nine for nine and 20, losing 12 straight, and then getting you fielding a non-competitive team in the Territorial Cup. Arizona State can't even score 70 points. Can't even score 70 points, and you get 70 points put on you, and all you can put up is seven? I I did see someone on on Black Twitter, the greatest of all Twitters, call Herm Edwards an enemy of the culture for for the 70 to seven score. <laughs> oh, like, uh, like he got another black man fired. Yeah. Hey man, listen, you can't help anybody that ain't there for help themselves. That's the only thing I can say. You have to help you. Nobody else is going to stand up and uh, fight for you. If you don't fight for yourself. So, Tell I you, mean, bro. do you want to, do you want to get into, you want to get into a, what do you, what would you rather talk about the game? which was bizarre and Arizona state did not run up the score. I don't care what anybody says that game could have been so much worse than 70. I thought they, were gonna, they could have scored a hundred points. Yeah. I was thinking about it. Maybe not. Maybe. I mean, if they were really flexing, like if they really got, they, they it, it is technically possible that they could have, but as it stands, they did have a long drive in the fourth quarter that didn't end in any points. And they missed a field goal in the first quarter when it was 14 to nothing. It could have been 80. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. At least, at least. But I think the only thing that's okay. So Arizona state didn't run it up. They only threw the ball 13 times. (laughs) Jaden Daniels only threw it 11 times. I mean, I don't know what the buddy, but those, but it was nine catches for 203 yards. (laughs) That's 18.5 yards a per – that's an average of 18 and a half yards. It is Two brutal, touchdowns. Man. Grant Gannell so, got knocked out of this game. Uh, they had a, a – Sullivan, the the defensive back, he got tossed out of the game, threw up a middle finger on his way out. That was kind of funny. Um, I don't know, man. It was just – so they give up the opening kickoff, like 105 yards. To DJ Taylor, a freshman, who I even had to look up. I was like, man, who's this dude again? And I covered the team for five years, and I still – the name was <laughs> foreign to me. And then uh, and then you have your boy fumbles uh, on what was kind of a hasty Gary bad Brightwell, yeah. three, what was it? He had three balls that touched, his, that touched his hands that ended up in Arizona State's grasp. Yeah. And then ASU, like that run that ASU scored on to make it two touchdowns in the first 56 seconds, like no one even touched Trainum. And that's when you knew like, oh, they're going to get whatever they want in the running game. And they yep. did. They did. Rashad White and Trainum, they just, 
they really, really embarrassed the Wildcats. And then the worst possible. So two things happened in this game that made this game legendary um, for all eternity outside of the score. One is it's 63 to seven. And it's pretty cool for the city of Tucson at the time, not the score, obviously, but that Rhett Rodriguez was in at quarterback for University yes! of Arizona and Tr- Trenton Borgay was in at quarterback for Arizona State. Both of those kids are from Southern Arizona. And obviously, oh, finally, you get some Arizona kids in a game versus <laughs> from Arizona well, State. Okay, yeah, but but it was so. But they're both from Tucson, so like, yeah. so that was really cool just to see. And they're in Arizona Stadium, and that was kind of a cool moment in it of itself. And then they hand the ball off to Jackson He, yes, from China, and he scores a touchdown. But he didn't just score a touchdown; he got hit at the one. And he managed to kind of roll his way into the end zone. So he like he earned it. He definitely earned it. And then Arizona State's website crashes from people, I'm assuming abroad, looking him up on the ASU site. And I thought that I thought that was just a really like excellent moment and and really cool um, and super historic. And then University of Arizona's social media team tweets out the final score with a picture of Lorenzo Burns next to the 70 to seven. And that tweet probably got quoted 1500 times before they finally deleted it with people asking what Lorenzo Burns did to deserve that. Because not only is Lorenzo Burns like face being on that tweet, completely inappropriate and absolutely hilarious he was also in his 40th start and maybe was the only player that showed any heart during that game. Yeah, dude, that was absolutely disgusting and bad. And Jackson, he was the only worthwhile thing from that game. That wasn't worthwhile watching unless you are. I mean, I guess if you're Daniel Nada's mom who hasn't gotten a lot of carries, then yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you're uh, Ricky Persall, yeah. You know, then yeah, you're uh you're a, it was worth watching. If you're Stanley Berry Hill the third or or Nathan Tillman's parents, then yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, Stan so Stanley Berry Hill was one of three players this week who transferred immediately after their game was over. <laughs> Stan- <laughs> did Stan- they even drop their jersey off or they just walk <laughs> did they just walk to their car dressed? Well, so they announced that that uh, Kevin Sumlin got fired, and Stanley Berryhill, who's an interesting kid, he went to high school in Arizona and then transferred to California for his senior year. Then he committed to walk on at Arizona State and changed his mind. He flipped his walk on commitment to U of A, and then he ended up being their basically their best receiver over the last three years, even as a walk on right there in his hometown. And he he straight up, it's not as bad as Drew Dixon opting out of the season two weeks ago after getting his only three catches of the season. But it's pretty bad that you as a walk-on who earned a scholarship turn around and enter the portal. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody do that before. Yeah, that's wild, dude. That is absolutely wild. Um, Next game up. Dude, this game was... I, I was... Okay, so... 
in all transparency, I live with a UCLA graduate super fan, my wife. And we have season tickets to the Rose Bowl when 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 the Rose Bowl is open, really, because <laughs> it's not this year. So we go to a lot of games, all this. And so I, I would say UCLA is like, like my second favorite team in the Pac-12. And I've never really been very fond of USC. And they're a big rival of Oregon, too, because they compete for recruits, all this. And I just and I like to be right above all of those things. I like to be right. And this was a game I was I would have bet the the farm on this game, Ralph. I would have bet the farm UCLA was going to win this game. And I was right until they gave up 20 points <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Like they just imploded. Like everything was going as planned, Ralph. I went into the fourth quarter up by one eight. 11 points. No, no, 12 points. Went up, up 12 points in the quarter to, to start the fourth quarter. How do you blow that? Like they, <laughs> that, that's, I don't know whether it was a fake punt, whether the punter didn't punt it, whatever it was, it was a terrible situation. It, it was a disaster. And UCLA's defense just fell apart after they had such a big lead going into the fourth and they were playing so aggressive Dude, I credited this game more to UCLA losing the game than USC winning the game. Yeah, I mean, maybe, except USC has done this to so many teams this year that that I don't they know. They did it to ASU and they did it to Arizona. Neither one of those teams is a good football team this year. I, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. How don't we know Arizona just got beat 70 to 7? One of those teams is the one that scored 70. And one of those teams had a lead on UCLA and USC with less than five minutes left in both games. That's crazy, bro. All I know, all I know is second half Keaton Slovis is incredible. And if he's not careful, they're gonna start calling him Keaton Start Slovis. <laughs> But what, what do you think? Malapai ran for 110 yards on 19 attempts. I don't know how long it's been since USC had a, a 100-yard rusher with less than 20 attempts. That feels like that's pretty foreign for them. And USC actually did a decent, not a great job, but a decent job of holding um, UCLA's running backs to less than five yards of carry. Britton Brown averaged 4.9, Demetric Felton. Um, four point three, and and if you take away the forty yard run from Demetric Felton, he had twenty carries for fifty yards. Yeah, they were doing a good job against the run game, and Dorian Thompson Robinson, thirty for thirty six, three sixty four. Heading into the fourth quarter, I was like, "Yo, he's playing his he best game out. ever." Ever. I was like, yo. And I remember I told Nish, my wife, I was like, yo, I don't, I don't trust him, dude. I don't trust him. But he, today he's doing it. Then all of a sudden, the damn wheels fell off. I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. It, but this is what you get with Dorian Thompson Robinson. Like, yeah. he's good and terrible. Like, he's good and terrible. And, like, there are times where the dude is 
super good. And you're like, wow, this kid's very, very talented. He could be nice. And then sometimes you're like, you if you look at his 10 best throws, you're like, okay, this kid's an NFL quarterback. You look at his 10 worst throws, you're like, uh, who's the backup? Like, and and that's not yeah. all time. That's just in a season. Yeah, I don't I don't know. He he's coming back next year, right? Like he's he's still around. <laughs> he would be a dummy to do that, dude. That that would be a very poor decision to come out in the draft. Extremely poor. Like, yeah. Yeah. It would not even be a good idea for Keaton Slovis to come out in the draft. But at least he would be drafted. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it, this game was weird. Uh, USC did the same thing they did to everybody else. They won, and then you walk away thinking that they weren't the better team. But all they do is win. I, it, I've been cracking up at the idea that every single week, every single week, all this team does is win. And at the same time, pisses off their entire fan base. This fan base wants Clay Helton fired so bad, so bad, so that they can go out and get someone who gets them the exact same result in a little bit different way. And I I can't get over how funny that is to me. Because, like, I'm a basketball fan. And so if my team won on a buzzer beater every single night, then I'm just like, all right, scoreboard. But USC fans cannot handle the idea that they're – and th- there is the idea, the very real idea that in the end everything regresses to the mean. And at some point, this is going to come <laughs> back to fight USC, and that might be this weekend. Dude, um, and they all – the funny part is they're 5-0, and oh, and they're they're all digging their heads in the sand. They're like, no, 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 because – they know that Clay Helton is on the verge of getting an extension. They know it. Oh my god! So they're like, <laughs> and I mean, I mean, how do you fire a coach who? What? What? What is he like? Ten and zero in his last ten games. How, what do you? What do you do with that besides give him an extension? What do you think that feels like? So like you're down in the fourth quarter. There's a final drive to win the game. And part of you wants them to blow it so that you'll fire the head coach. And the other part just wants to be able to root for your team to win, which they are consistently doing week in and week out. Like, what does that feel? That's got to be such a bizarre inner struggle. What did you what did you think about uh, Keaton Slovis saying that he checked out of the running play that was called to throw the game winning touchdown? Uh, I would say that that's a kid who has a good handle on the offense and that as a quarterback, you want a quarterback who can overcome coaching where he's like, Mm-mm, this ain't it. Let me go do what the what the best thing is to uh, do. And but I don't know. I I, I thought that that was a, a what they call a check with me where where it's two plays essentially called, but the quarterback can choose to do one or the other. Because he wasn't at the line. He didn't check it at the line. He just chose to do something else. And once he saw what, no, 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 he actually did check. And then um, uh, the uh, wide receiver, what's his, what was his name? The kid from modern day. Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah. Amon Ross St. Brown. He moved in some and I was like, oh, he's creating space. 
So he wasn't going to run a slant because they weren't going to risk throwing a slant in that situation. But a fade, he wanted to make sure that he had enough room from up there. So if you're the UCLA defender, you have to understand the situation that he's not going to run a slant because of the situation, because balls get tipped, all of that, and you are got a chance for game, that would be a terrible choice. So I would I would have been playing fade all day and and found me an interception. But you you know I've played a lot more football than than these kids have. So you know it's not a knock on them. It's just is what it is. So this is a, this is interesting that they going back to last year they have played in nine one score games. Nine one-score games for USC going back to the beginning of last year. And I think they're like 7-2 and two in those games. And 12-2 and two in their last 14 in the Pac-12. Yep. And the last one they lost, they got demolished by Oregon. Um, so we'll see what happens this weekend. Um, on to Utah and Colorado. This was a game that looked like it was trending in Colorado's direction. Utah went up 7-0 first quarter. At halftime, it's 14-10. Utah, um, Colorado's up. And then I think Colorado scored next. They were up 21-10. And then the wheels absolutely fell off of Colorado. They looked like Colorado at the end of the last two seasons where everything just falls apart. Sam Neuer... Um, he got he got hurt for a minute, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He got he got hurt for a minute. Jarek Broussard, you knew it was going to be tough sledding for them running the football against Utah because they they get stronger as the season goes on. They get stronger, and Colorado finished twenty seven rushes, one hundred and ten yards. Yeah, and this was just not a good performance by Colorado on the defensive end in the second half and well and they lost two they, they lost two fumbles and threw an interception too so that didn't help at all yeah so this is the first time that Jarek broussard has been outrushed by the other team all year they not only lost neuer for a minute and had to put in uh tyler lytle who is the second person this week to immediately transfer after the game because he only had 24 yards of offense I think he was like two for seven passing or something like that. And then he quit the team <laughs> right after the game. I just wonder where these kids, where do these kids think they're going to go? Because- I don't know because the transfer portal is so full. Like you're talking about if you're Tyler Lytle and you produce 24 yards of offense against Utah and then you immediately jump into the portal. I mean, you're probably you be talking going about to like CSU Arkansas Pueblo. State. Yeah, no, I'm talking like D2. Like you, you yeah. can't. Yep, probably. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I was I was aiming way too high. Yeah, and that, so that that part's nuts. Um, and then the on the other side, I talked about always getting confused when it's Ty Jordan or Jordan Wilmore. Um, Jordan Wilmore, he bounced. He hit the portal right after this game on on the Utah end. That's a running back that I think still has a really high ceiling. And I think you and I actually talked this week and, and said UCLA is a team that should maybe make a a, a push for somebody like him. Uh, UCLA or Oregon State, either one could really use him. But I think he sees Ty Jordan and realizes that Ty Jordan is the guy. Uh, Ty Jordan had a monster game. I think he had um, But you can have two running backs. Rushing. 
You, you can, can have two running backs. You can, but if you look at the history of Utah, they really rely heavily on one. Whether it's Devontae Booker or Zach Moss. They and that's why I bet team, you if you're really good, they'll they'll find a way to get two guys the ball. Uh, maybe I think Jordan Wilmore is really good though. I think he, he I do too. thinks that he can go. And maybe it's with that free transfer that's out there or whatever. And who knows what else is going on. He'll find a home faster than Tyler Lytle. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're not, you're not kidding there, but uh, Colorado had some bad luck in this game. They got Nate Landman knocked out of the game. They got Sam Neuer knocked out of the game. Um, And that, that really allowed Utah to just put pin their ears back and focus on stopping Broussard um, who only had 80 yards rushing very interesting. Brendan Rice scored twice. He's still a freshman. He is out there looking like Nikhil Harry, and uh, he's going to be really good for a really long time. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Utah just what a dominant, dominant second half. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, it was a. It makes up. That... It makes up for their second half against Washington, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, they did the complete opposite thing that they did against Washington. Um, The last Pac-12 game of the week, though, was the late game. Stanford at Oregon State. Stanford has started out 0-2. Now they're 3-2. Oregon State started out 2-2. Now they are 2-4. I just can't make sense of this. So Oregon beats Stanford, and then Oregon loses to Oregon State, and then Stanford beats Oregon State. The, and with Jamar Jefferson, I know that that the quarterback makes a big difference because they didn't have Tristan Jebbia, who I think is very average, but but he's better than Chance Nolan. Chance Nolan but balled out in this game, though. I, I was getting ready to say that he did. He did throw three touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, completion percentage wasn't that high, but their but their wide receivers aren't exactly you know burners or or finding yeah. a whole lot of separation either. So it makes quarterbacking tremendously more difficult but they didn't have and he's very mobile what do you have eight for yeah eight for 50 and, and he, he fumbled the shit out of that ball <laughs> the end of the game. oh my god i've never seen a ball get out that quick it was like blow the whistle blow oh the whistle. my gosh they went i felt bad they went and they, you know they got to review it because it's the game on the line or whatever but then they're just showing replay after replay of him basically just throwing, literally throwing the game away. I felt awful, man, because he played so it was, it was a clean game. There were no turnovers besides that, were there in this whole game? Um, Stanford did not throw a pick, and Stanford did not fumble. No, and yep, yeah, that was th- it. This game was so clean. It was back and forth. Both teams scored in every single quarter. There were some absolutely ridiculous throws made. There was a catch. I can't remember the name of the receiver, but in the fourth quarter, there was a catch by one of the Stanford receivers where the ball popped out uh, as they were both going to the ground. um, And the ball hung in the air and the Stanford receiver, while he was laying on his back, it just fell right oh, into his that was, chest. I, that was, I think that was Bryce, Bryson Tremaine. 
I, I, it, I it was it was been, e- yeah. it was either him or John or John Humphreys. Though the, oh John Humphreys, only, that's right. It was yeah. his only catch. Yeah, it was John Humphreys because I remember John Humphreys was Ethan Garber's main receiver in high school. This is the only podcast where you're going to get these high school throwbacks. John Humphreys' high school stats are ridiculous. Probably, probably the best of any receiver that came out last year. And so it was kind of cool to see him get involved. But yeah, that catch was. That catch was absolutely nuts. It this felt the this felt like an NFL game. It really did. Because neither team was breaking big plays on the ground. I think the longest rush of the day was uh 25 yards by BJ Baylor, but you get a 25-yard rush in a game where every rush is like 6 yards. It feels like 50. Um Davis Mills played good. Chance uh, Nolan played way better than I expected. There were only four total sacks, so it wasn't like super messy. And and outside of that fumble, which I, I hated that the game ended on that fumble, I was hoping it might have even gone to overtime. This was probably the most fun I've had watching a football game all year. This was a great game. Yeah, I would agree with that. It was a really, really, it was a really, really good, good football game. Well contested, you know, like coaching was cool. Um, Davis Mills has quietly been playing pretty good. It's like the it's like uh, rivals might have been right about him. Uh, yeah, nah, I, I can't take it that far. He <laughs> had some nice throws though. He really did. Yeah, he didn't make any mistakes. He looks. He just looks solid. Like he doesn't look special. He looks solid. He looks like he looks like AJ McCarron, if that yeah. makes sense. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like like one of those uh, Alabama quarterbacks that's not NFL caliber. I, I know AJ McCarron has been in the league for a minute, but you get what I'm saying. Oh, absolutely. If you surrounded this guy with talent, he would do what Mac Jones is doing this year. He would kill people. Yeah. And except for, I think that Mac Jones is pretty doggone good though. Too. Mac Jones is good. Mac Jones should have been a PAC 12 <laughs> quarterback. He was so close to committing to ASU, but then your boy, Every, dude, everybody allegedly is so close to committing. No, to, I can tell you yeah, exactly ASU. what happened. ASU flipped Ryan Kelly from Oregon, which took the spot that Mac Jones was going to take. But the the ASU was down to three quarterbacks. Mac Jones, I think, I think it was Mac Jones, Tyler Lytle, and Chase Garbers were all looking at ASU. And Oregon flips Ryan Kelly, or ASU flips Ryan Kelly, and that left Oregon without a quarterback when Tua Tagovailoa wanted to go to Oregon. So like oh, God. the Ryan Kelly no, butterfly Ryan. effect is one of the weirdest things to happen in college football. Ryan Kelly never played it down. He never yep. played it down. He tore up his elbow and never played again. So, but you, you had, I mean, I talked to Mac Jones in the airport on the way to his ASU visit and you can ask your boy, Woody Womack. We were 100% convinced he was going to commit. And then it just, everything went sideways. It was it was very, very bizarre. And then Tua, who should have been at Oregon, and Mac Jones, who should have been at ASU, both end up at Alabama, and they're both having a ridiculous amount of success. Yep. Crazy how these things happen. Um, all right, so now we can get to this week's games. We can uh, pick this week's games. And um, l- listen, this one of those games, you can throw the records out this week. Ralph, you can throw the records out. I'm coming back. I will dominate this week, Ralph. I promise. I promise. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. Um, we'll start with, like, should we start with the Pac-12 championship or end with the Pac-12 championship? Well, it's on Friday. Let's just roll with it. Let's go. Okay. We'll go with it first. Pac-12 championship, Oregon Ducks versus the number three vaunted, unstoppable, unbeatable, incredible Clay Helton coach of the year led USC Trojans. They have Keaton Slovis, preseason Heisman Trophy candidate, Drake London, unblock. I'm um, Drake London, uncoverable slot, uh, dual threat guy, tight tight end wide receiver hybrid. They have you know uh, Malapai, unstoppable running back. They have Drake Jackson, unblockable force on the outside on the defense. There's no way Oregon can win this game, Ralph. And USC's favored by three points. Um, <laughs> over under is 64. Who you got? I'm going to let you pick first this time and, and not let you piggyback off of me. That's probably, that's probably been the problem. I don't like having to pick against an Arizona boy because – doesn't matter who I pick again. They're, these are both Arizona quarterbacks, right? You, you know how I feel about uh, Arizona players, Arizona quarterbacks. Um, I, it's a weird matchup because Oregon can't stop the run and USC can't start the run except for this last week. Uh, so maybe they're changing up their philosophy a little bit. I don't know. Um, I am excited to see, uh, I'm, you know, you know, what I'm gonna roll with, I'm going to roll with USC and Isaiah Polamau. I think that he ultimately makes the difference. Tyler Shuck hasn't been making the best decisions this year. Um, he's leading the conference in pass efficiency though. Are you sure he's not leading the conference in rushing attempts? Cause they freaking get him on these designed runs all the time. He's six, five, 200 something pound pocket passer. And they're treating him like he's Marcus Mariota. I don't know. Dude, they run him more than they ran Justin Herbert and Justin <laughs> Herbert's probably a better athlete. Um, but I, he does give me, give me the over all day long. Give me the over all day long. I will take USC almost a push. I'll say, I'm going to say it's going to be a three point, USC win, but I'll take I'll take USC just because that's not anything calling for a push. Might get extra points if I call it a push. Yeah, if if you call it a push, if you call the shot, dude, that's like double zeros. But right. but you but but if you go that route, you should lose two points though. <laughs> just because it's sp- coward. Just because it's cowardice. Cowardice. How how can it be so brave that I would get extra points for doing it? And then no, turn- it's, it's high risk, high reward. Oh man, I, you know what's crazy is the amount of house money that I have, and it's the end of the season. I will call my shot right here. This is going to be a three point USC win. I don't know Wrong. if it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be a three-point USC win because of Parker Lewis, though, because I don't know if you saw, but he missed probably the worst field goal of <laughs> against UCLA I've ever seen. No way, bro. He missed. No, you missed Oregon's kicker against uh, the walk-on versus Cal, but it was, I think, the UCLA game. No, no, it was the Oregon State game. Worst kick of all time. 
So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Oregon Ducks. Un- un- unbelievable. I know, guys, I know it's unbelievable that I picked the Ducks. But this is the first game this season that they have not been favored in. They haven't covered, except for, I think, week uh, their first game of the season. I am picking the Ducks. This is where Clay Helton, because this is a big game for Mario Cristobal. This is a recruiting game. This is a game for recruits because this is going to be talked about. This is Dante Williams. This is There's so much behind the scenes going on, and the Ducks haven't won a game in a, in a while. They haven't played a game in a while, but they haven't won a game in a while because they lost two in a row. So they haven't won in a month. They have not won in 29 days. As of the day this game gets played, yep. Oregon will not have won in four weeks. Yep. So uh, so uh, guess what, buddy? This is going to be a win. Give me the Ducks. Give me the... Uh, give me the over in this, too. Give me the over in this. I, I would I would take Oregon if they were favored by five points. So, oh, so, wow. there, so there's that. Um, <laughs> next game up, Stanford at the UCLA Bruins. UCLA's favorite by seven points. I don't know how they're going to rebound mentally from that loss. I I like UCLA to win this. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's on you first, Ralph. My bad. I'll take uh, I- I'm I'll take Stanford to cover. Um. It's a home game, you said, for, for UCLA? Yes, in the Rose Bowl, in the granddaddy of them all. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I'll go, I'll go ahead and take UCLA to win and Stanford to cover. Why, why not? It's, Stanford's been playing everybody close. They've been playing everybody respectably. Uh, I don't fully trust Dorian Thompson-Robinson to, to be able to go out and blow anybody out. I think even if it wouldn't traditionally be close, he'll find a way to make it close. Yep. Um, I think that's a little bit of a rebound game for your guy, Demetric Felton, not my guy. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if Stanford can play better than they played last week. And they still, it took a fumble uh, for them to be able to come out w- with a win. So, I don't believe that they have the offensive firepower to just go out and take a game. That would be a huge surprise to me. Um, it would definitely not be a good look for a UCLA defense that was playing really well to give up five touchdown passes to Keaton Slovis and then take on the number former number one overall uh, quarterback recruit and have the same thing happen again. So uh, I, I think you're going to see a little bit of a bounce back from UCLA's defense. I don't think Stanford's offense is all that capable anyway. And so, uh, yeah, let's let's roll with a six point win for the Bruins. Ralph, finally, you've gotten your picks back on track. I'm agreeing with you on both sides of this for every reason that you said. Dorian Thompson Robinson is going to throw them into a he's going to throw them into amazing plays and a lot of points, but then also throw Stanford back into the game or fumbled them back into the game or because UCLA, even though they're much better, there's still an accident waiting to happen. Like they just, they just are, they're not used to, they're much better. And I am going to probably pick them to as my preseason favorite next year in the South, but right now mm -mm, they're not there yet. Um, Next game up 
Wait, is... what was what was the over under on that game? I don't think we did. Oh, fifty nine. Oof, under. That's thirty points apiece. Yeah. Uh, nah, I'm going with the over in this game, buddy. Oh, uh, wait, no. Yes, yeah, because <laughs> yes, I'm going with the over because UCLA can't stop the run and Stanford. Yeah, I'm going with the over. Um, and oh, and in the USC Oregon game, I took the over too. There, um, I'm an over guy. Uh, Washington at Utah. Utah is favored by ten and a half points. Ralph, ten and a half points. It's in Rice Echo Stadium in Salt Lake City. So wait, Washington can play now, but only if it's Saturday. No, Washington State. Oh, I was so confused. The Cougs. Okay. Cougs. Okay. Yeah. Um. What? Whatever the line is, give me Utah. Give me everything on Utah right now. Lies. The lies. Ralph, you blew it. You blew it. The thing that Washington State doesn't do well is cover the past. Washington's going to, Utah's going to try to run. And Utah is great stopping the run, but not so good stopping the pass. Ralph, you blew it right here. Find a sucker every day. I got you right. These aren't Mike Leach's cougs. And Mike Leach had another rant again this week. I'm sure we'll get into that later. Um, he, he called this the most joyless season um, of our lives or something like that. Like yeah, I, I'm I'm so over over him. He'll he'll be out of the SEC in in two years anyway. So yeah. <laughs> he'll probably be back. Nick Rolovich will play himself into a bigger job and he'll have to come back to <laughs> Um uh, Over under fifty six points. Mm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say oh that's a tough one. I'm gonna say under. I'm taking an under in this game too. Taking an under in this game too. Now, actually, no, I'm going completely against you in this game because you don't know what you're talking about. So I'm taking an over in this game too. I think Utah's rolling. I, I think they they've put together. I mean, that first half against Washington was really great. That second half against Colorado was really great. If they can put a full game together, that that'd be really impressive. Then maybe again, uh, they'll just have the wheels fall off for a full game. Um, yeah, dude, th- that's the other side of that. Ten and a half feels absurd to me, dude. It feels absurd. It's um, ten and a half. I see. I didn't even ask what it was before. I'm yeah. on a. Oh, I'm on a ten and a half point line. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I say sucker board every day, buddy. That's funny. Um, uh, next game up. Last game on the slate. Arizona State has to travel to Corvallis to to forge against the. Oregon State Beavers. Yuck. ASU's favored by seven and a half points. Over under 54. Who you got, Ralph? Should this game be happening, George? At, at least in Corvallis. I don't I, I don't see why not. Why? Or, because it's or, Oregon or, or, State. It's Oregon, Oregon State, State all six of their games. So And this will be their fifth home game, and, and Arizona State has played one game in Sun Devil Stadium. Well, and it's well, I mean, they probably in late pl- December. Yep. That is that sounds terrible. It's yep. going to rain. Yep. I didn't know if you saw that. Jeez. These kids are from the desert and the inland empire and the beach. They don't need to be. You give the Corvallis kids a break. 
let them go on the road and play in decent weather. Like it's punishing everybody for no reason. (laughs) I don't, I don't trust that line at all. I don't, I don't trust ASU in Corvallis. They lost their last year. They lost the opportunity to go to the college football playoff in 2014 up there. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. This is not, this is not something that, um, Arizona state has ever responded well to. And if the weather is going to be gross at the same time and the season's basically over for them anyway, this is very weird. Um, I'll take, I will take Arizona state to find a way to pull it out, but I don't like the seven and a half. So I'll take Oregon state's, uh, with, with, with the plus seven and a half. And then, um, yeah, I'm going I'm to go with the uh, 54. Yep, 54. Oh, and ASU scored 70 on their own. <laughs> but they only scored 18. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to go under. We're going to go under. Oh, Rob, you were almost on the right track, dude. Oregon State's winning this football game. They're playing in Corvallis in the weather. Fog is probably going to – I'm praying for fog. And – um, this game will hit the over because neither team is going to be able to stop a nosebleed, really. Um, Arizona State's going to run the football. Actually, uh, but if that fog rolls rolls in, then the under could possibly hit. Mm. All right, I'm going to stay with the under. Actually, I'm going to go with the under. Oregon State wins this football game outright. Um, who did you have winning the Stanford-UCLA game? I... Think pick I UCLA to yeah yeah UCLA, you UCLA but Stanford to, win. to cover yeah yeah I got yeah I got uh, I had the same thing on you there okay cool we are all set with that um, I have and, a question I have a question for you because I wrote a big long thing for ArizonaVarsity.com, my website on twelve candidates that I think the Arizona should take a look at not twelve that I think that they should hire but twelve that I think I think that they should go through a lengthy interview process but I also broke that they were going through. Uh, turnkey um, for uh, for a coaching search firm, so it's not it's not going to be them going out handpicking people to interview. But I think it's coming down to three very very possible names, maybe four, and those four will say Joe Salavea, the current D line and associate head coach out at University of Oregon, who was an Arizona Wildcat, Brent Brennan, the current head coach of the currently undefeated San Jose state Spartans who used to be the wide receivers coach out at Oregon state uh, before he took this head coaching job, Jay Norvell, who is the very well-traveled uh, wide receiver coach slash OC from Texas, Nebraska, Oklahoma, who was a wide receivers coach uh, for Nikhil Harry at ASU before taking the head job at Nevada. They are six and two this year. And the other option um, that they are that they are potentially looking at is Ken Niamatololo from Navy. Uh, of those four, George, who do you think Arizona should hire to be their next head coach and why? Hire the man from Navy, run the triple option like they were considering doing last time. Why? Why run the triple no, option? No, no, no. I was uh, that that was a joke, Ralph. That okay, was, that was a joke. I probably go with Jay Norvell. Uh, because I do think that they need to be balling on a budget with this hire. They have to make sure that they get a good hire. 
Um, he's got he's probably got the biggest buyout of anybody though. Oh, he yeah. got it. He got it. That so that I think he'd be perfect for the job. In fact, I think he would by far and away is the best candidate for the job. Um, Brent Brennan would be good because he's a shit shoveler and they got a lot of shit to shovel down there. Like he's always only ever had to grind, whether it was in Corvallis or definitely now at San Jose state. And it's going to be a grind. So he could be a good choice, but Jay Norvell is a disciplinarian son of, you know, military, like has a great young innovative staff runs the air raid on offense answers based defense with uh with a um almost like a craig bowl disciple running his defense like i think i think that that would be a great ready-made staff to bring over but he got a 2.5 million dollar buyout that's not a big college buyout though yeah i just they just paid the 7.5 to go get yeah i mean i guess they could figure out a way to 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 i guess they could always figure it out if that's who the school really wanted it's amazing where they keep finding all this money when they furloughed all their workers and everything at University right. of Arizona. I was saying that. I was like, how are they going to keep, like, they cried poor. Oh, we don't have money. We we have to play the season, all of this. And then you go firing coaches and paying buyouts. Yeah, that makes sense. It would be great to find out that the buyout was paid by, like, Kourtney Kardashian. She's a wildcat. Or, like, uh, Gronk or something. Like that'd be really, really funny to find out that that one of one of their like celebrities uh, was responsible. But then uh, the alumni, you know who they want? They all want Joe Salabea. You think he would make the jump? Uh, I nope, nope, nope. They they cannot have Joe Salabea. He's a national treasure at at Oregon with all the poly kids, especially. No, no, no. But on a, on a serious note, I think he would be. I think he's actually the right hire. I, I was joking with Jay. I mean, I think Jay, Jay Norvell would be a good hire, but I think Salabay is a, the actual answer. Um, he put together gonna- the best D-line class I've ever seen for the class of 2019 at Oregon. Yeah. So, I, dude, the, the, the dude has all the stuff. So, I'm, you know, I mean, selfishly, I don't want to lose him. But you have to let people fly like you have to let them go do their thing because he's earned the opportunity. And so, yeah, so he, he deserves it. So, yeah, is, I, I would give him the job. Is there any one of them that can win at Arizona? <laughs> I think winning at Arizona is relative. I think that you can I think that you can compete regularly and then you have to pull a Utah. Like there are going to be certain times where you're like super good and you can capitalize on that and make a Rose Bowl or make a Fiesta Bowl or something like like that. I think that that has to be your goal, not college football championships. All right. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles. We appreciate your time. Appreciate your energy. Thanks for listening to the show. And of course, share, 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 share with a friend. Leave a review and a written review as well. Uh, Peace out. Catch you guys. Oh, next episode. Next episode. Recruiting. We're going deep dive into recruiting rankings and what happened on early signing day. Peace and out. The, and the social media teams behind the the, the recruiting. Oh, yes, yes. The, the drama. Somebody's a biter, not a writer for themselves and others. 
Oh, <laughs> all right. Peace out. Catch you guys next episode.